Hello, and welcome to Agents of Nonprofit. My name is Alexander Lapa, and I'm here to speak with everyday superheroes helping nonprofits. Joining me today is Chris Niano to talk about collecting authentic storytelling, or storytelling, or we'll figure out a proper title for this as we go along, but the idea is that it's about collecting stories to be able to share about your nonprofit and for the efforts toward fundraising. So Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, Alex, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. What a, what a great treat to be on here. Before we get started then, and to the details, Chris, tell me your superhero origin story. That is to say, how did you get started working with nonprofits? Yeah, great. So it's actually kind of in a roundabout way, which I imagine is pretty similar for a lot of people, but mine, I guess, is probably pretty unique to me. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and that's that's where I live today. And I grew up in a very Italian household, as a lot of, there are a lot of Italians in Buffalo, and uh, you know, telling stories around the dinner table, right? Just as humans have done for thousands of years. And, you know, as I like to joke, I swear at least 80% of them were true, of course. Yeah. So, you know, grew up in that sort of setting where storytelling was very important. And uh, when I got a little older, I actually joined the army. And you wouldn't think about this, but what I num- the number one thing that I learned is the power of storytelling to connect people across different cultural and socioeconomic backgrounds. Storytelling and sharing stories is primal to the human existence for you know, all the way through the Iliad and the Odyssey and and since the beginning of time. And so it's a great way to connect with people and to build rapport and, and learn about people. And I loved it so much that when I got out of the army, I actually originally built Memory Fox and my company that serves nonprofits as a way to interview pre-dementia elderly to be able to get their life stories and to be able to help pass them down across generations sort of and keep the, a digital record. And the Naval Park in Buffalo asked if they could use the platform to collect stories from veterans for a fundraising campaign. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool idea. You know, it's one of those kind of things. The rest is history after that. It was went really well and we had a lot of fun and I think it provided a lot of value. That origin story definitely resonates with me because we did the same thing with my grandfather, my father's father, where for a period of I don't know how many weeks or months, we sat him down and we just recorded him talking about all Amazing. the stories about during the war and how they were immigrating all over Europe and trying to escape, of course, and then eventually cross the pond into Canada. So luckily, because of that endeavor, we were able to capture everything and then write a little book about it with the short stories. So yeah, awesome, awesome starting point for you. Yeah, tremendous. I mean, it's one of the great things that you can do for your future posterity, (laughs) I think is the word, like, you know what I mean? Like that transfer of wisdom, that transfer of information that you can't fake it. You can only do it through their voices authentically Mm. told. And so that's sort of a North star, even though we don't work as much with that side as much as I would like to, you know, that's still a North star, right? That's the power of storytelling. I'm curious to know, you said your company is Memory Fox. How'd you come up with the name of Memory Fox? (laughs) Well, it's kind of funny. It's not that Unfortunately, not as interesting of a story. We sat around a table <laughs> and we were like, memory, elephant, what evokes it? It was for it was for getting stories from elderly. So we were like, elephants always remember, they're always associated with that. But we, we like the idea of foxes and how they the idea of keeping like a den and keeping things safe. And so, you know, memories obviously, and then the fox attached to it, and it kind of has like a nice flow to it. And um, I just love it, right? I just love foxes and I love the idea of it. And again, it's about that North Star. Even though we don't do the same thing, it's having the same North Star of, you know, elevating people's voices and keeping them safe. 
I mean, yes, the clever as a fox, memory fox. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty good things. The logo looks pretty cool too. So you started off then with veterans and pre-dementia people. And then what did it evolve to? Like, where do you spend most of your time today? And I get the concept and we spoke about it in the pre-show, how you, this is like the early stages of a nonprofit, let's say, working toward a fundraising goal. They perhaps want to do a video at some point. And this is like the, the pre-step before that. So if you can give us maybe a picture of where you know you kind of fit in and what you you do to be able to prepare that nonprofit for the eventual road down ahead. Yeah. I mean, the thing that ultimately the thing that we learned, so we go do this project with the Naval park and it's an executive director, a marketing coordinator who who's a little younger does is not like, you know, an experienced marketer that knows multi-channel and all these types of things and a lot of volunteers. Right. And that, that was basically it. That was who was, was, was doing everything. And, and kind of what we learned is that, it isn't like the collection is a big problem. Like collecting video is obviously a very difficult thing. Um, and keeping it all organized is a very difficult thing. But it's like the whole content journey is really a problem. So you've got, you have to plan. You have to notify everybody who's going to be participating in it. You have to actually have it a system to collect the content, the video, and that could be a pain in the butt. And then you need to actually keep it all organized in one place. And then you actually need to design it, right? Because you want to share raw content, but some of it, it really does need to be shaped and designed a little bit. And then you need to share it. And then you need ROI on that. And that's like, that's multiple stuff. I mean, that's a lot of work for a marketing coordinator or even a marketing director who has staff underneath them. And so, you know, we realized that this was a big problem and there was really nothing out there specifically designed for nonprofits to take them from end to end. Um, as a storytelling solution that could be like digitally facilitated. So that's what we've been, that's what we've been helping people with. Some of it is we're not done building. Um, it's uh, one of the things I learned about software is it's a long process and you build incrementally learning from customers and that sort of thing. But we, we, some of the stuff we do through services and, and extra extras, but you know, it's about facilitating that whole process to really make that marketer's life easier. So that they can tell their story and you know elevate the voices of their community. Oh, software is never done. Don't think that you are going to reach a point where you're going to have to stop investing. That, that's, that's never right. the case. So I counted seven steps. So your the idea is that you're capturing content, and this content is it is it all video or audio? Is there anything like what kind of content are you collecting basically? Well, one of the foundations of our platform and like our our mantra is ethical storytelling. And one of the elements of ethical storytelling is you need to be thoughtful of the way somebody wants to tell their story. And it it may so happen. Of course, everybody wants video. I mean, that that almost goes without saying. But you may have certain storytellers or people that are mission beneficiaries that, you know, may be at a food bank, right? And they wouldn't feel comfortable on video, but they might feel comfortable with a with with maybe text or they might. Or, or maybe pictures are a better solution or, or different things like that. So we allow all different content types um, just because of that, because that's a major foundational piece is that ethical storytelling is you're, 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 you're elevating somebody. So you need to be thoughtful of their, you know, where, where they are at on that. And then, of course, that leads to my next question is, what do you mean by ethical storytelling? I mean, I imagine there's a certain element of genuinity. Genuinity? I'm not sure that's a word, but let's <laughs> pretend it is Sounds today. Good. So yeah, how would you define ethical storytelling? Right. And it, this is one of the most interesting parts of storytelling right now, if you see the thought leadership sort of going on, because 
I mean, social media is explode, exploding, right? And there's a and there's such an insatiable demand for video and authentic video that nonprofits are under tremendous pressure to to be sharing video constantly, right? And it could become very easy to become a little transactional about it, where you're sharing stories to share stories. And so it's a volume game. And that's that can never be that can never be the foundational principle is, you know, so it's really about North Stars is the way that I think about it is, is, is to come from a foundational place of love, you know, and elevating somebody's story, not exploiting their story. And one of the ways that I like to think about it, and I've I think we've all experienced this in our lives and nonprofits and just maybe life in general. Some people, you know, they mean well, but they veer a little too much and become, they're sort of a tourist in other people's misfortune. They're just, they have like, just need to be around it. Like they, it's, I've never really known how to explain it very well, but don't be a tourist in other people's misfortune. Like meet them as equals. And understand that their story is just as valuable as yours. It's not something that's just a tool to raise funds, but the most important part of their lives is their life, right? And so, you know, don't think of them as a money-making tool. Think of them as a human who has agency and pride and all those types of things. And, um, you know, can think about elevating them. And I do want to make a quick pitch is like, December 6th, we actually have a um, panel that we're hosting, a special event that is actually about ethical storytelling, but you can hear me sort of working through it too, because it's a living conversation. And so if anybody listening is interested, December 6th, we're having a, a nice panel discussion about it. Where we're really going to dive deep into these things with some thought leaders. So it sounds like the person that's collecting the story or the content, let's say, has to be empathetic, right? They have to understand and sympathize with the person that's going through and sharing the story they have to show genuine interest. And like you said, a visitor. So, I mean, it sounds like more of a partner, more of a friend than a, I'm doing this for a very specific purpose Beautiful. and I have to get paid for what I'm doing. And you're just a tool in that arsenal of me getting paid kind of mentality. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there is this like implicit power structure when it comes to a person who gives funds and a person who receives funds or gives services and receives services. There's like an innate power structure to that. And your job as a person who is trying to elevate someone's story, if you're truly coming from that point of view, is to is to break down that power structure and to, to meet as equals. And that is incumbent on the, you know, the person who needs the story, right? That the person collecting that story, it's incumbent upon them as the person who is the the higher person in that power structure. And so, um, you know, you just have to be thoughtful of that. I, mean, I think if, as long as you're doing that, I think you, you, you largely can't go wrong. So, I mean, technology aside, I mean, the biggest component I think of what you're doing is, is making sure that the human element stays front and center, that if you're even having courses of teaching people how to collect better content through genuine storytelling, by allowing them to be vulnerable and, and accepting as they're being vulnerable, I mean, that's a huge skill to learn and a, and a critical one, it sounds like, as well. Yeah, and that's part of the challenge is that not everybody is equipped for that, right? You may be a great social media marketer. You could be a great content creator. You could be a lot of different things. Heck, you could be an executive director and an accountant at a small nonprofit, and you're thrust into being the you know marketing manager, right? And my 
hope is that if we build great software that ele- that that elevates everybody's game, you know, regardless of their abilities, um, then we're using technology the right way, um, is to sort of level the playing field. I mean, you know, you think of what you think of like the for-profit side, right? I mean, just by virtue of being able to pay people a lot more, they get they attract, you know more sometimes more sophisticated talent when it comes to integrating all these different marketing channels. And so marketers or nonprofit marketers are already kind of swimming upstream when it comes to, you know, marketing against these big brands on social media and just alongside all these marketing channels. And so, you know, the goal is to, is to level that playing field, right? Is is that's when technology is at its best. Yeah. We talked a bit about in the pre-show how, for-profit companies, because they generally have more money than nonprofits do, and they have more access generally to better marketers. And it's about being able to artificially create authenticity and ethics and genuine and being vulnerable because the end goal is different, right? That's one big thing of why I love working with nonprofits so much is because the end goal is different than for-profits. And when you're in a for-profit company, because you are motivated, usually at least by finances, you will find ways to do things knowing that end goal is in mind. So you might have take different kinds of shortcuts that are less ethical because mm-hmm. it gets you to that financial goal faster. And because you have more money at your disposal, generally, there are ways of simulating or artificially simulating the authenticity and, and nonprofits have to combat that, the results of that, right? Let me give you another example. Just recently, I was watching a YouTube video, very, uh, very relevant to this, to this conversation where it was uh, actually a Montreal guy, very famous guy, Ryan George, who said that uh, this is a a big commercial department store tweeted or posted that we care. Just the sentence, we care. And then one person says, oh man, that's really cool. And he he tries calling the company and says, that's great. I'm happy, so happy you care. And I'm like, what do we do now? (laughs) And then (laughs) the the first guy who answered the call has no idea how to respond to that. So he continues working up the, 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 the corporate ladder to get to the president. And the president's like, yeah, 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 we care. They, you know, we, this is our corporate message. We, we really care. And he's like, oh, that's fantastic. That's really great. Thank you so much. Like, I, this is a big milestone for me. I, I really wanted somebody to care. And of course, it's all fake all the way through it. it. It won't spoil the video. You should watch it. But the idea is that's all fake. And at the end, you know, you realize that it is fake kind of thing. So nonprofits have to fight that with actual, genuine, real stories is there any kind of like what? What is your take on that? I guess is my question after that long. Yeah, story. I mean that's like become my passion. <laughs> this is like become like my 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 thing to bring up at the bar with my friends who are maybe less interested, just want to talk sports. But I I want to talk about this because I think it's super interesting, and 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 it sort of speaks to the secret power of nonprofits that a lot of them are not leveraging, and it's that true authenticity. Is that, and that's why like nonprofit, some people have a challenge with nonprofits because they aren't as ROI based because they're dealing with sometimes very complicated missions that don't have clear ends to it. And some of these people who are using services, they, they, they may be on these services for the rest of their lives for various reasons. And so there isn't like a neat bow to be tied around these things like like on the for-profit side purports to tell you that your life will be better if you buy this product you know or the world will be better is what they're going after because in a lot of ways for-profit marketing is has been eating everything and nonprofits are actually truly authentic and should lean into that on 
like they deal with the world as it truly is and are working to fix it. Not, you know, in a hunky dory world of everything is great. So go to target. And then the music is great at target. They're playing the Taylor Swift. So you feel good about purchasing products. And like, that's the for-profit world. It's to get to pull you into some, into some marketing funnel, you know? And so why is this right? And I think a lot about this and there's a lot of theories about why things are the way they are, but individual giving is down, you know, and it's down kind of a, a good amount. And large brands, I mean, they're doing better than they've ever been doing, right? And this might be like a hot take and an overgeneralization, but I mean, I think some of it is about where people are putting their money and brands have become so good at making you feel like you're a good person for buying their product that it's replaced giving. And like, I don't mean that it is entirely replaced giving, but that's the, that's what they're doing, right? Maybe not even consciously, but when for-profit brands purport themselves to be like, like to position themselves like nonprofits, you know, you see a lot of commercials in there. They're like how a nonprofit would, would, would do their, you know, marketing. And so what they've done is they have immense budgets. And so they're better at positioning that way than even nonprofits are now. And it's gross, <laughs> you know, but that's the point of it is that that's why I tell nonprofits that I work with is lean into your authenticity, right? That's your secret power is if you lean into that, don't be afraid to show your mission beneficiaries and your volunteers and don't feel like you need to show like a, you know, like a young millennial who's, you know, like a representative of the people that we want to target. Like, no, like be authentic about who you are and who you represent and don't be afraid of it. Lean into it. And I think you'll get, you You always get better results because that's what people want to see. That's what people want to donate to. So that's, that's where my passion is, is being, trying to be relentlessly authentic. I think that's the best thing nonprofits can do. I'm, I'm visualizing some corporate logo that says, you know, buy more, live better. As if those yeah, two are somehow you, related. Yeah. They're so good. I mean, they're so good at it right now. And it's, I mean, there's some great books that have been written about it. Amusing ourselves to death is a great mm -hmm. one. That's more about like the news eating everything, but like news and, you know, it's not that different, right? <laughs> you know, in some senses is, is this idea of, you know, marketing eating everything, you know, is a real challenge. <laughs> it might seem like an odd question, but I, I'm, I'm starting to think that if something becomes overused, completely saturated, it loses its value generally. Do you believe that there is a, a not maybe today, but at some point, can you see a, a moment where the, the for-profit world has completely saturated and pulled all the heartstrings that they could possibly pull on every <laughs> single person so that this, you know, genuine stories kind of lose their value as a result of it? Is that, I mean, it just popped into my head. I'm going to just want, and I know it's more of a down the road kind of conversation because I think that's not an issue today, but it is something that I thought of that might happen down the road. Well, two things about that. One, I think you already, they're, they're a wily bunch, right? And they'll always figure out what the next thing is because they have, you know, all the resources and time and people in the world and, and things like TikTok, right? And even Instagram copied TikTok is like, you don't even know you're getting advertised to anymore. Like you're, everything is in some way an advertisement or leads to an advertisement. And the whole idea of all these social media platforms is to make you feel like you're not getting advertised to is to entertain you and to like pull you into these things. 
Um, so I think it already has happened multiple times. My hope is I have two young kids and a third on the way. And we have this conversation, my friends and I all the time is like, you, you find yourself some, I think it's very natural at a certain point to find yourself a little discouraged by the way the world turns sometimes. <laughs> and especially, especially if you're a certain generation and a certain age right now, it feels like since you turned 18, it's been nothing but I turned 18, like around nine 11. So it's been like nonstop, right? And you worry about the world that they're going to grow up in. And, but I feel a little optimistic because there's sometimes I see in young people is they, they, they are going to be way more perceptive of these things. And I think they can spot bullshit way, way better than us. I, I hope. And they're only going to get better at it. And certainly our children hopefully will be the same way. And like, they're not going to want to do what mom did. They're not going to be affected by the same things that mom got affected by. Will it be something different? Sure. <laughs> it might be even more nefarious, but you know, maybe that's just the world turning. <laughs> I don't know. We're just in this like endless loop. But, but the thing is, is nonprofits still will always have authenticity. They, you can only fake it so much, right? There's only, you can only get so close to authenticity before it starts to crumble, but nonprofits can get as close as, you know, <laughs> all the warts, right? <laughs> you know? And so that's why I think like, if you keep that as your North star being, 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 being that way, I think you separate yourself and you will always separate yourself. I truly hope as well that people will be able to separate the, the non-genuine stories from the genuine ones, because I agree that nonprofits have that, advantage that these are really true humane stories so teaching sure. kids how to think critically i think is one of the most important skills that we can as parents teach not that i'm a parent myself but if you are a parent i think critical thinking is definitely the top one of the top skills you can teach oh i'm, I'm with you 100 introducing philosophy into their lives and mm. all those types of things that are like outside of what school typically teaches on um, those types of humanities are oh, more important now than ever and continue to get more important. Go back then. You said there were seven steps in your in the content journey. The third one is collecting content. I'm curious to know if you have any tips, suggestions, or, or recommendations for nonprofits who may not have the not all the, the the journey in place or at least solidified for you know some tips of how to be able to collect good content. Yeah, and I think this is the foundational piece of Memory Fox of like why I built it. Um, the foundational problem was that collecting content is really hard. Collecting video content from a lot of people who are not all in one place is either really expensive or just really hard and in a lot of ways too, too hard. Um, so we built it to solve that problem, but there are ways to DIY do it. And I, I try to tell people as much as possible that, that they can do this themselves. They don't even need memory fox. They can do this themselves. If they follow kind of some, some set principles. So, I mean, you want to, you want to have a good blend of videographers and if you can afford it, videographers and things like that. Um, and then your own user generated content. So on the user generated content side, you want, you want to make sure the foundational pieces, you want to make sure you have a good share drive that is in order and it has rules. And I think every listener here probably. Um, may take a look at their <laughs> their share drive and find that content is all over the place. And I think they'll agree. Like the foundational piece is your share drive needs to have rules to it. On um, 
And what I recommend is one folder per program per event, and then one folder per year. So, and then put each of those programs or, uh, you know, uh, events in there. And then in each of those subfolders, those event folders, you want to, you need three key pieces. You need a Google doc that links to all the pieces of content that says what is, who is in each, because you have to know who's in that content on, you know, all the different types of data that you might need for, for whatever reason, but you certainly need to know who's in it. And then you need a document that has everybody's sign offs that if they uh, approve for use so that they say, especially if you have children, by all means, you definitely need, you know, people's signatures that say it's okay to use. And then um, the third piece is the content itself. And so if you can package those and put all three of those things in that folder, you'll be able to keep it all organized. And then you take that folder, send that out to everybody prior to your event, prior to your program, and give them instructions on the type of content that you want them to take pictures of or videos of or collect stories about. Um, you want to certainly pick one person to be in charge. So it'd be like, tell one volunteer, like you're in charge of collecting stories from the children about why this was a great event or from the parents, or, you know, it could be anything or, or corner a couple of our donors and take a story about why they donated or why this is important. You want to attach that to a person on, and then have that all set up before the event, the folder and everything. And then at the end of the event, they just upload their, their, their content into that folder. And then, you know, you need to get with them and take, take all the, the Google doc and put in who is in all that video, you know, linking to it and then have that, those signatures from everybody saying that they sign off on it. I probably made it sound a little bit harder than it really is. I wouldn't intend on doing that because it totally is possible to do it yourself. It's really just being organized, having a place for everybody to send all their content. But the biggest piece is making storytelling a part of your processes and say, for every event, for every program, we want at least a couple stories about that program or a couple videos or some content from that event and then attaching that to somebody who is in charge of it. Um, and then you have it all nice and neat throughout the years. And then when you're at your 20 year anniversary, boom, you've got years of content all organized. Who's in there? Is it approved for use? Um, and then you can, you know, you can leverage it all year round. I love getting tactical. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very tactical. But once you set up that system and get that muscle memory going, like you can totally do it. Yeah, it's all about process. Once you get the system yeah. up and running and you, you iterate, make it better, improve it over time, and then it just becomes a muscle, like you said, where it just becomes easier and easier to do. Yeah, you've got like a pre, pre-event pre checklist, you know, and part of that is, okay, we got to set up the folder for this. We got to we gotta make sure we uh, we assign our chief content collector for the event and, um, you know, make sure we have a printout to make sure that everybody can sign the, the waiver that says that we can use this for marketing and fundraising. In terms of technology, I know that tools are very advanced now that even your iPhone and your Google phone can capture pretty good video, decent audio as well. I, I imagine that's not going to be your first choice, but for, for sometimes for genuine stories, I mean, would that be good enough? Yeah, what's funny is the best content that we usually see is actually someone just taking a selfie video. Hmm. You know, a parent with their with their child. Um, a mission beneficiary, a donor. I mean, it always just is fantastic. Now you need, like I said, you need a good blend um, if possible, which which is not accessible to everybody. 
Um, but but certainly if you have the budget for it, I would look at maybe once a year, you know, maybe doing a more produced video that can always be helpful, especially for your gala or for your annual report and things like that, or whenever you, you feel the need, but you want to blend and you want that, that great user generated content of selfie videos and, or just videos of the mission in action and things like that, real grassroots content. So until now, I was imagining one person or a group of people that's dedicated to collecting and taking rather all the videos of all the people you want to interview. And you mentioned selfies. So are you saying that you notice there tends to be a combination of those two ones that are produced by, a, I'll call him a director or her director, uh, in going to the various individuals, to the organization, you know, to the the food bank to to see people, uh, you know, collecting food, and or just asking people, saying, "Look, you've you have a great story to tell. Just capture it with your with your um, your phone, and then we'll integrate it into the end result." Yeah, yeah, and some of that is about mm -hmm. the ethics of it too. Is you know, when people get cameras put in their face, and you know, they have to put makeup on, they get sort of you know nervous, or they. You know, it's it's tough in that situation, right? And you can you can I'm sure uh, people have experienced this is where you've spent a lot of money on something, and then that storyteller kind of freezes up, or they're not telling a great story, or they're too long winded, um, you know, whatever it is. And so when they can do it on their own, and they can just redo it on the spot and make sure they get it right in the comfort of their own home, you're providing another level of accessibility. Um, and a new way to elevate voices of people who may be nervous to do it in other ways or don't have the time. Yeah, that's great. I, I agree that um, it kind of reminds me of um, when my parents had like a 50th wedding anniversary and we asked all of their close friends to record a video. And that was, I mean, the results were phenomenal. It was a heck, really? heck of I a job to, to edit, modify everything to make it look like one cohesive video because everybody <laughs> had their own style, let's say. Sure. But the outcome, I mean, then my parents were crying, you know, seeing their, their friends of 30, 40, 50, 60 years uh, make messages, videos in their homes across the world, uh, wishing them well. So I guess that has the same, I mean, that's, that can have a huge profound impact on people. Yeah, there's just something about video. I mean, of course, right? I mean, video replicates actual visual storytelling that's existed for you know, since the beginning of time, right? And and what video does, especially for a nonprofit, is it, you know, you could tell stories secondhand all day long. Um, but if you if you bring that person right into the living room or the office, that's a much stronger story than secondhand through the donor manager or through the communications manager, you know, telling a written, you know, with a written text story or something like that about something secondhand. I mean, people invest in people. That's the reason we're in, we're in nonprofits because of people. And sometimes, sometimes you know, it could be like historical and things like that. But most of the time, it's people. And um, so let's see people, right? Like that's that's what we do. We're in the business of people. So let's let's share the people. In in terms of outcomes, we talked a bit about at the beginning how some of these stories, some of these videos, are intended to help nonprofits get better or more donations for fundraising purposes. Maybe you could share a story about that and or are there other outcomes that you find that these stories can help uh, share and encourage and uh, improve upon? Yeah, and there's been actually a lot of studies on this, on the power of video to impact. I mean, a lot of it is on the for-profit side and, and, and less on the nonprofit side, but there's some great studies. So for example, Classy, the, the old 
you know, the, the software on, they did a study of their campaigns that they, you can do on the website and campaigns they had video generally received 114% more funding than campaigns that didn't, right? And that, that sort of makes sense. I think we all would agree with that. That like video is just that impactful. And Stanford Graduate School of Business, they did a study that stories are remembered up to 20 times more than just facts alone, right? And of course, because that that's how humans have communicated for thousands of years, um, not through facts, the, you know, the Aeneid, the, the Aeneid is not a collection of facts, it's stories that people remember. Um, and then finally, you know, 62% of people say they become more interested in a brand after they see it in, in short form video. Um, so it's like all these things, like there's been a lot of studies that show how impactful video is. And so we have an example. I always like to say this example this organization called Kids Health Connections in Michigan, and they have, you know, they do a do a, a, a series of community events, and one of them on um, was uh, a fit fit kids uh, event where kids go and they, you know, they do all these fitness activities, and it's really fun. And they collected videos. They had some QR codes set up, and people would take scan the QR codes, and they would take videos of themselves and their kids having fun or, you know, saying why they love the organization. And this was obviously all facilitated by Memory Fox. And they used those videos for a grant and they attached them to their grant proposal and, and they won their grant because, I mean, you know, that really sets you aside when you're trying to influence these grant makers as, wow, this is a, I have a window into their organization. Look how happy that little kid is. Look how happy that mother is on. Um, so I think certainly Grant making is is a great way to use content um, and probably a little underestimated. Those are people too on the other end that are making those decisions. So if you attach video to it, you you better believe they're they're going to be more likely to uh, approve that grant. And of course, your down donor outreach. If I were a donor, right, the, the organizations that I donate to, I want to see. I would love to see it every day if I could. Video content from their organization. And every time they send me a video. I'm, I'm my my heartstrings are going to be tugged on right, and so I'm going to want to maybe donate every single touch point, even if it's ten bucks. Um, and then a third one is obviously is the one we talked about maybe the most is standing out on social media, right? That video stories, just getting them out there, um, authenticity, not worrying about it being overly designed, and all these types of things is getting beautiful stories out there about your mission. So really, those three ways. Um, and are the, are the main avenues of, of where your video has high ROI, you know, for your organization. Yeah. Those are great social awareness, brand awareness. I kind of put those to kind of two together at this point in our day mm -hmm, and age, mm -hmm, sure. fundraising, pod grant making. So all wonderful uh, outcomes. And I'm then curious to know going toward the future, like what in, in terms of memory Fox, at least. You said that the company still uh, has um, some softwares <laughs> to update or, or things that they sure. have in mind. What would you like to see happen in, for your organization and for the whole content stage in general in the next coming years? Like, is oh, here's a good side question: AI. Tell me about how, if all you guys are using AI, or how that AI is coming into play in this whole content creation, content collection story. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad. It's funny because I mean AI. I feel like we could we could spend ten minutes just talking about AI because I think there's good things and and certainly harmful things about it in terms of authenticity and storytelling that that we've only just sort of scratched the surface of. Um, but I think again, nonprofits are very posi positioned very well um, for this 
this AI world because I don't know about you, but I could care less about a fake video <laughs> that could look as authentic as possible. I'm not going to donate to that organization because of that. And even if I perceive that it's fake and it gets out, I think eventually, you know, there, there will always be ways to tell, but I think good authentic video will always stand the test of time. Um, but you know, from, from, from the future, I think there are elements of AI to it. I mean, think about it, that planning phase. So like that was one of the things that I learned is the collecting and all these other things are hard, but if you're a small nonprofit, even just getting the ball rolling is not, is not simple, right? You have to plan your content. You need to think about, okay, what, what are the, or, you know, you lay out all your events. What are the types of content that we want from them? What are the types of questions that we want? What are the resources that we need to be able to collect? Where's all going to go? You know, so like that first step of plan is actually a very big step. And I want to turn that into like a software driven, almost wizard driven um, workflow. Right now, what we do is we offer a, um, you know, a small upsell for organizations where uh, you can purchase the services. We're going to do it all for you. We're going to sit down with you. We're going to lay out all your all your events throughout the year. We're going to come up with your content plan for the entire year. So you're just following a plan all year. You're not having to reinvent the wheel every every couple months. And what I'd like to do is turn that into an automated process where you put in some inputs, it asks you for some information, and then it helps you plan your entire year. And it could even use AI to be able to put together questions that you should ask and all these types of things using best practices um, to kind of like automate that. And then you can set up notifications where it's like, okay, your gala is in six months. You need to start your first collection campaign. You should send it out to your top 20 donors. It should have these fo the following questions, you know, and then it'll send like follow-up notifications that say like, oh, these people didn't respond. Um, do you want to follow up with them? And like th that way, it's like a pull process rather than a push process is like now you're the executive director, or you're the marketer who has a lot of different hats. Now you don't need to spend as many mental resources on Memory Fox and and just storytelling in general. You're freed up. Your, your energy is freed up elsewhere because this thing is pulling you towards success. And so that's where I really want to use AI and just all these tools that are out there to be able to pull someone towards success. And then on the content side, like you can use, so when you, when someone submits their content, we auto tag it by all kinds of different metadata, when they sent it, who sent it, et cetera, et cetera. Is it approved for use? Uh, wouldn't it be cool if AI could then further auto tag it by, you know, you know, child, woman, man, brown hair, you know, all these weird metadata pieces, but like are things that AI can sort for you. So you're, you're, you know, the story of your organization is sorted by all these really cool data, data points on. Um, so, so and, and then there's that piece. And then the design side, well, what's to say you shouldn't be able to, you know, select three or four pieces of content and say, I want to make a video out of this. The technology is not there yet, but it will be there in the next five years where it'll take those four videos and mash them together and make a, make a long form video out of those four videos and cut out, you know, the beginning piece where there's that awkward pause and things like that and maybe make it nice. And so we want to be at the forefront of that so that nonprofit marketers have those like state of the art tools. And then the sharing piece, right? It needs to go out into all your marketing channels and then you need ROI on it, right? You need to know what stories are working, what stories are not working. 
um, you know, and that type of thing. And so you need to be able to measure the ROI and that closes the loop on it, right? Now that marketer has everything they need to be able to compete with these for-profit marketers who have immense budgets and access to influencers on social media and just these very sophisticated systems that that they that allow them the scale that they have. Well, now a nonprofit, you know, with five people can do the same thing. Um, so that's our that's where we're going. That's that's our mission. And um, you know, you build software one step at a time. We don't have a lot of money, and we're trying to keep low prices as low as possible because we're with nonprofits. And so you're always there's always this like trade off where you're trying to build incrementally based on user feedback and also just your your gut about the future. And uh, yeah, you just keep one one step at a time. Awesome. You didn't quite mention it explicitly, but I imagine you could also use AI to summarize what the video is about. Yes. If you collect the video yep. for like half yeah. an hour, having AI saying, this is a video where you know, person A speaks about this and this and this. Like you mentioned tags, which is great, but I can also imagine a blurb that it can create, like, you know, a short summary, a paragraph of what the video is about. So you don't have to watch the whole video to remember what were they talking about. Well, and you have to nowadays, you have to have, we do have speech to text because for accessibility reasons, you have to mm -hmm. have that now. So actually that, that feature does already exist. We use AI for that. Use it. Um, there's an Amazon resource for that where it, it might be Amazon or Google, but uh, yeah, automatically does it. And then you can put in translations and then we can grow outside of, you know, the U.S. You can, you can help in other places. I mean, certainly there are stories, <laughs> stories all over the world, right? I mean, this is, this is a foundational human thing. This is supersedes culture and all these other types of things. Everybody's a storyteller. So the sky's really the limit. It's really just, just uh, keep, keep marching forward. Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much. This has been super entertaining. Where can people get in touch with you if they have follow-up questions or if they have comments to make? Yeah, Alex, thank you so much. Well, we're memoryfox.io, so you can always go to our website. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on all social media platforms. You can you can reach out to me anytime. It's just chris at memoryfox.io. Feel free to reach out and you know I'd love to talk. It doesn't even have to be about memoryfox. It could just be about storytelling or if you have any cool feature ideas that you're like, man, it'd be cool if somebody built this, you know, feature for storytelling. I mean, I, I just, I can't get enough of it, right? Working in software and with nonprofits is so energizing and such a privilege and honor to, to be able to support so many great people. So yeah, those are, those are the ways. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. All right. That's it for today. I'm Alexander Lapa, and I hope you join me again in the next Agents of Nonprofit.